Hello and welcome to the OT Schoolhouse podcast, your source for school-based occupational therapy tips, interviews, and professional development. Now, to get the conversation started, here is your host, Jason Davies. Class is officially in session. Hello, OT practitioners, and welcome back to another special OT Month edition of the OT Schoolhouse podcast. If you listen to episode 96, then you know we are working our way through the ABCs of school-based OT. And today, we are diving into letters G, H, I, J, K, L, and M. NLP, no, we're not going to get there. That's next week. Last week, we touched on letters A through F. We talked about administrators and OT assistants. We also talked about letter B for behavior, letter C for common core state standards, letter D for determining services, letter E for evaluations, and F for FAPE, free and appropriate public education. Be sure to go check out episode 96 if you haven't already to get those first six letters, and then we'll continue on today. Or you can just listen today and then go back and listen to episode 96 if you'd like. We're doing four episodes this month. This is the second episode in our OT ABCs of school-based OT month, special month. This is our month. It's OT month. We get to celebrate. We get to promote. We get to talk about how wonderful our profession is. So with that, let's go ahead and dive right into letter G. Letter G for us today is going to stand for guardians, as in the people responsible for the little ones we serve, right? Sometimes it is the biological parent, but other times it is not always the biological parent. As we discussed in episode 93 of the OT Schoolhouse podcast, we talked about kinship families, and that is a real thing. As our foster families, right, we are not always talking about the parents. So we need to be mindful about that when we are writing our report. If you know it's the parent, that is perfectly fine to use that terminology, but you may want to potentially shift your templates over to use the term guardian to make everyone feel included. And that way, when you're sending out paperwork, a guardian who is not a parent might not double take when they see that word parent. You know, I'm sure they see it over and over again, and we can make them feel a little bit more comfortable by using that term guardian potentially. All right. So remember, not all of our kids live directly with their parents. Some have other guardians, and we need to be mindful of that a little bit and make sure we're using inclusive language there. All right. That brings us to letter H, which you probably already know it's going to be handwriting. But I want to take a different spin on this because, of course, we do more than handwriting. And when I think about the handwriting programs that are out there, Size Matters, the the Handwriting Without Tears or Learning Without Tears program, some of the other ones – I don't think of those programs as being directed to us as occupational therapy practitioners. Granted, we are the ones that typically go to those trainings. When you really look deeper into those systems, they are really designed for the teachers. And we can be that middle person. As we know, handwriting referrals probably account for 90%, if not more, of the referrals that you get. Handwriting, sensory, and behavior, right? So, what can we do with that? If we know that all of our referrals are coming in for handwriting, well, let's get ahead of the game a little bit. Let's introduce our teachers and our administrators and people at the higher levels of curriculum 
to handwriting programs. Let's let them know that, hey, we can save the district a little bit of money and help our students more if we do something about it. And so what can we do? We can introduce these programs to those people, let them know about them, let them see the research, and let them just know that they exist. Let them know how they can actually incorporate other parts of curriculum within handwriting, right? A lot of the handwriting programs, they're not just about how to form letters, but they do also bring in the outside components of typical language development and English language learning, right? They don't just talk about or just don't promote handwriting itself. They bring in other factors. So I'll give you a quick example how I actually used RTI in order to bring a handwriting program into a school that I was working at. As you have probably heard me say, I started with one teacher and it grew from there. So I went to that one teacher who I had a student with handwriting concerns in her classroom. And I went to the teacher and I said, hey, you know what? If this one student has some concerns with handwriting, then there are probably other students in your classroom that might have concerns with handwriting as well. How can we support all of your students in your classroom? And, you know, we talked a little bit and I mentioned how I could come in maybe once a week for a few consecutive weeks. In this case, it ended up actually being eight weeks. Technically, it was 10 weeks, but week one and week 10 were kind of more of a little screening tool to actually determine what we needed to work on. So I drafted up this program and it was just something I think I titled it like the handwriting essentials program or something like that. And I showed it to the teacher and she's like, all right, let's do this. And so I came in once a week for about 10 weeks, as I mentioned. And then we had the evidence at the end of the 10 weeks that it worked. We had a writing sample from kids at the beginning and a writing sample from kids at the end that we're able to compare and see, hey, overall, there was improvement over these 10 weeks. From there, it was super easy to get administrators and other teachers on board. As soon as you can make something happen with one classroom, it's amazing how quickly others will come on board. And so from there, I ended up doing the handwriting program in another classroom and eventually talking with the administrator, she ordered a curriculum for all the K through three teachers for handwriting which was quite awesome. And that all happened within the span of about a year and a half. So it can happen quickly. I mean, relatively, right? So that's pretty awesome. Again, just start with one teacher, one handwriting program, and well, who knows? Maybe you'll end up reducing your amount of evaluation referrals for handwriting by supporting those teachers one time or a few times in a year and a half. It can happen. All right, so that brings me on to letter I and letter I kind of goes along with what we were just talking about. I have I for in services. And why that's going along with what I was just talking about is because if you know handwriting is a concern within your schools or in your district, then why not create an in service to support those teachers? Create something that's going to help them, help their students, and ultimately potentially send you less referrals. Now, when it comes to referrals, I have three very simple, very actionable steps or recommendations, I should call them. First is that be sure that you talk to your teachers and ask them what they want and need. We might see that they need handwriting, but if they don't want handwriting support, then they're less likely to implement it. So talk to them. Talk to your kindergarten, your first grade, your second grade teachers, or whatever grade that you want to do this in-service for, and say, hey, 
What do you need help with? Second, keep it short. Teachers don't have a lot of time for in-services. Oftentimes, their contracted day is only about 15 minutes before school starts and maybe an hour after the school day ends. So there's not a lot of time for them to learn from you. So set the time ahead and keep it short. We don't need to give them a lot of information. We need to give them useful information, which then leads to the third and final recommendation for an in-service. Keep it actionable. They don't need to know all of the research behind handwriting. They don't need to know whether there is a lot or no evidence behind weighted vest. We just need to give them the actionable steps that they can use that they actually want to learn about and do it in a quick manner. All right. So that's three recommendations for conducting your next in-service. I do teach a little bit more about in-services in my A to Z school-based OT course through my RTI module there if you'd like to learn more. And that brings us to letter J. This is a fun one, and it is J for Jungle Gym. That's because the Jungle Gym is the most underutilized area for occupational therapy treatment, right? We often say that we can't do sensory integration. We can't do sensory strategies because we don't have swings and whatnot. But you can absolutely work on praxis and a few other sensory integration type of skills by just heading outside onto the Jungle Gym. Now, I know a lot of them look and are a little less fun than what they used to be back in the day when people, you know, got hurt on jungle gyms because they weren't as safe and we could do a lot more, but they're still out there. There's still a lot of stuff to use. You know, the slides, right? At recess time, the aides are out there saying, hey, don't climb up the slide. Don't do this. Don't do that. But when we go out there one-on-one with the student, then we can actually promote some of that stuff. Of course, we need to let them know, hey, you can only do this because I'm with you right now and this is a treatment type of setting or this is a therapy-led session. But that's okay. You can still do some of those things that maybe you wouldn't be able to do with the student out at recess when there's so many other kids there. So feel free to ditch the OT room and head out to the jungle gym to do some things. You can even take some materials out there and do some handwriting out there. Use crafts out on the the jungle gym. That's perfectly fine too. You don't just have to stick to the jungle gym. There's other things that you can do out there as well. So that's letter J for Jungle Gym. And next is letter K. I hope I actually have the alphabet in order. (laughs) That'd be really funny if you're just like, uh, why did he do J before, I don't know, I or something like that. Anyways, letter K, we have kindergarten. And, you know, this is the only grade level that I bring up here within our our time together going through the ABCs of school-based OT. And that is because I feel like Kindergarten is an area that every OT should be a part of. Every kindergarten teacher has always appreciated what I have brought to the table for them. And I love working with them. They are so open. They are so, they have a, I don't know, I feel like they just have a bigger picture. They typically understand that, you know, kindergarten is a hard time to work on academics, but we are setting the groundwork for these students for the rest of their educational career, if not even further, right? And so our kindergarten teachers are always open to any ideas that we have. And I would recommend that if you're going to do that in-service we talked about earlier, start with the kindergarten teachers. Ask them, hey, what are you seeing in your classroom and what can I help with? Now you can do that in-service. And you know what? They're going to love you for it, that they might even invite you into their classroom to do that handwriting or whatever type of 
I know a little early for handwriting, but whatever type of whatever type of help that you might be able to provide in the classroom using an RTI type of mentality, they might welcome you in with arms wide open to support them. And as an occupational therapist, you know, maybe this will help you in the future by then having less evaluations because you're supporting the students at such a young age when their brains are malleable, when those synapses are pruning, and there's just so much learning going on, whether it be based on academics, play, whatever it might be. So talk to your kindergarten teachers, ask them what you could help them with, find out what they need, what their students are struggling with, and provide that support that they need. All right, so we have two more letters today, letters L and M. Letter L is laws, L-A-W-S, laws that we have to follow as practitioners within these schools. Now, AOTA has their own set of guidelines in the occupational therapy practice framework, but that's not what we're talking about today. I'm talking about two specific laws, national laws called IDEA, which you're probably very familiar with. And if you listen to the podcast a few times, then you are probably also familiar with ESSA or the Every Student Succeeds Act. So first, IDEA, that's the one that we all know that basically you can't get through a school-based occupational therapy job interview without the question being like, do you know what IDEA is? What is IDEA? How does OT fit into IDEA, right? You need to know IDEA as a service provider, as anyone working in special education. IDEA is what governs IEPs and that we must support our students to access their their free and appropriate public education, right? FAPE, which was actually our F for episode 96. But ESSA goes a little bit further. And ESSA is not just for students with special needs. ESSA is for all students. And under ESSA, we are identified as SISPs. I know a lot of of acronyms coming your way. SISP stands for Specialized Instructional Support Personnel. It's kind of like the related service within IDEA. But as an SISP, a CISP, if I can say that right, as a CISP, we are able to support all teachers, not just those with in the special education realm and not just students in the special education realm, all students as well. So ESSA, ESSA, that is our way to get into RTI a little bit more. Unfortunately, ESSA hasn't been rolled out completely. It, it exists, the law exists, but Washington, D.C. hasn't really pushed out what that actually means that the law exists. And so if you listen to our episode with Abe Saffer, I believe that was episode 91, we dove into that a little bit more and hopefully what that will look like in the very near future. All right, so that's laws, breaking down IDEA a little bit, and then comparing that to ESSA. Both are national laws that kind of guide what we can do as school-based occupational therapy practitioners here in the United States of America. And that brings us to our final letter for today. We're keeping this episode pretty short, right around the 15, maybe 20 minutes by the time we finish. And letter M is for mindfulness. Yes, mindfulness. And again, we had a recent episode about this, right? Episode 92 with Dr. Deirdre Azopardi. I was, I'm always afraid I'm going to say someone's name wrong, but I got that one right. I know I did. So mindfulness, right? This is something, again, that you can do within the classroom or in a pullout setting. You can talk to your teachers and say, hey, you know what? I hear you telling me that you're having a lot of behavioral concerns within your classroom. You're having a lot of students just overreacting a lot. Well, you know what? 
do you think it would help if I brought in a mindfulness program into your classroom? We can do this one time a week, maybe even start just every other week just to see if it'll work. And I'd love to bring that in and support your students. You'd be surprised what happens when you do that. And then 10 weeks down the road, how many other teachers you have saying, hey, you know, you went into um, Mrs. Jones' class and did this mindfulness program. Do you think you could come over and do it in my program too? Or in my classroom too? You will be surprised. It's amazing what happens when we start with that one classroom, whether it be handwriting, mindfulness, whatever type of program you want to do, you can make game changers with starting with one teacher. Now, why mindfulness? Like I said, maybe you are talking to the teachers and they're saying that my students are just out of control this year. You know, they're so fatigued from all the Zoom that when they came back to the classroom, they are just overwhelmed and things are hectic, they're crazy, and I need help. Well, that might be your key in and say, hey, you know what? I can provide some mindfulness activities within the classroom. And then look that up. Go take a class on mindfulness. Find out what you want to learn so that you can support your students within the classrooms on your school. Remember, your caseload is not your students. You are directly responsible for providing IEP services for those students, but every student on campus is your student. Just like every student also is the first grade teacher student. The first grade teacher doesn't go out onto the playground and only watch her kids, right? The first grade teacher goes out onto the playground and watches all the kids. And the same thing applies to us as school-based occupational therapists or practitioners, OTAs, right? We are not there just for our caseload. We are there for the entire school. All right, so that is our seven letters for today. We had G-H-I-J-K-L-N-M, Guardians, Handwriting, In-Services, Jungle Gym, Kindergarten, Laws, particularly IDEA and ESSA, and M for Mindfulness. So thank you so much for sticking around with me on this ABC's A School-Based OT, OT Month special episode of the OT Schoolhouse podcast. This has been episode 97, and I really appreciate you being here today. If you want to see all the letters, or at least all the ones that we've done so far, on the website, you can head on over to otschoolhouse.com forward slash episode 97. When you do that, you're going to see all four episodes, well, at least once all four are published. Right now, you'll only see two if you go there right now. But if you're listening a little bit later, all four episodes will be published and the entire ABCs of school-based OT will be there. So you can see every letter and how it kind of relates to school-based occupational therapy. So I hope to see you over at otschoolhouse.com forward slash episode 97. And yeah, until episode 98, I will have a great week and I hope you will as well. So take care and I'll see you next time. Bye. Thank you for listening to the OT Schoolhouse podcast. For more ways to help you and your students succeed right now, head on over to otschoolhouse.com. Until next time, class is dismissed.